we simply cannot allow people to pour into the United States undetected, undocumented, unchecked. And complete the dang fence. This bill that we will sign today is not a revolutionary bill. Cast down your bucket where you are. We come from France. And I am, you know, adamantly against illegal immigrants. They're coming in by the thousands, just unbelievable. A wall is an immorality. Who are you rooting for? Those masters of the universe are at it again. You maniac! You blew it up! Welcome to Parsing Immigration Policy, the podcast of the Center for Immigration Studies. My name is Mark Krikorian, Executive Director of the Center. And today we're going to be talking about a kind of weird conflict on the border. And it's not between American authorities, you know, a cat and mouse game with smugglers and illegal aliens, which is the kind of thing you would expect. Here, what we're seeing at the Texas part of the border is some kind of conflict between two different arms of law enforcement, Texas Department of Public Safety, the state police, and then federal border patrol agents, because Texas is trying to prevent illegal immigration, and the Biden administration is trying to facilitate illegal immigration. And this is putting these guys in the field in a difficult position. And, you know, it's really pretty bizarre, but it's illuminating, I think, at least of the consequences of what this administration's policies are doing. And to talk about it, we have with us Todd Benzman, who's an analyst with the center and based down in Texas. And he went recently to the part of the border where this is happening, the uh, Del Rio and Eagle Pass area, sort of that's a stretch of the Rio Grande, kind of in the middle of Texas's border with Mexico. And I wanted to have him in to kind of report what's going on. He wrote a piece for the Daily Mail explaining it. And we're going to have a video upcoming that's going to be showing what's going on there. But I wanted Todd to explain what's up. So, Todd, thanks for joining us. And why did you head down there in this particular part of the border this time? Well, what drew me down there was the state's kind of trembling down on border security in this particular area, which is probably the, and I wouldn't say probably, it most definitely is the hottest hot spot on the southern border in terms of illegal immigration between ports of entry. Right. Somewhere in the order of 30,000 a month coming through still on the ground. And the fact that Texas is, is troubling down on tactics and strategies uh, beyond anything that the state is has ever done before, most recently to include the deployment of a marine barrier, these big giant orange balls that spin on a wire, kind of like buoys, so that you can't climb over them very easily, and then a, a net that drops down to the bottom of the river. It's already causing controversy, and there's already one lawsuit. So there was a lot going on down there, and I, I wanted to go see it for myself. And then I also was hearing kind of rumors and rumors of war. <laughs> between Border Patrol and the state right? as this was ramping up down there. So that's why I went down there, and that's pretty much what I saw. And you wrote about, for us, and we have a video and what have you, of as Title 42 was coming to an end in May, that that's when Texas, which was already was taking steps to try to 
impede the entry across the border that they actually kind of ramped that up and were putting up razor wire and stationing state police there sort of right on the border. So that really started relatively recently. And then this whole uh, Bowie, it's kind of like build a wall in the middle of the river, which is not usually where walls uh, work, but this is a different kind of thing with these Bowies. You said they've taken it to the next step. So what has been the Biden administration reaction because they obviously don't want illegal immigration to be impeded. And so what's what do you what did you see? What's happening down there? Right. Well the backdrop of this is important. The back of the context, you're right. Texas really, you know, went to town, so to speak, in Brownsville, Texas, in May as Title Forty Two is going away. And what they did was they put state troopers kind of like a NFL line. Right. And blocked the immigrants at the river all over there had been pouring through there. And in that particular sector, Matamoros to Brownsville, Texas completely shut down what had been a really strong surge of immigrants through there by just blocking them behind barbed wire. Right. So they could get across the river, but then then where do they go? In other words, that's basically they, right. The they point. couldn't, they would just be kind of wandering around in the river until they got bored and came back. Right. Right. And when they went to go try to go around them or kind of go somewhere else, but that sort of set the stage for, you know, well, what's the Biden administration's reaction. And in that situation, the administration pulled its border patrol agents back and away from any of this. Mm-hmm lest they be somehow implicated in something bad or wrong, some kind of wrongdoing, Alejandra Mayorkas, the DHS secretary, announced that they were having the Department of Justice investigate, you know, the legality of what Texas was doing at the river. Texas just kept going, and they moved the whole operation to the Del Rio sector because that's where a lot of the immigrants were moving to go try to cross there. Right. They call it hold the line. Mm -hmm. Texas has really blocked, physically blocked immigrants. Prior to that, they would just, you know, sweep them all up and hand them over to Border Patrol, most of them. Some of them they would arrest for trespassing and that sort of thing. But they decided to turn what they did into Matamoros into a major policy of the state all along everywhere else. So in Del Rio sector, You still have the Border Patrol kind of hanging back under orders not to interfere or or participate, especially not participate in anything that might be perceived as blocking their right to claim asylum and that sort of thing. So if I could just interrupt you here, Todd, in other words, the Biden administration has told the Border Patrol not to do anything actually to stop illegal immigrants from coming across the border. This is bizarro world stuff. Yes, it's exactly right. They're under orders to stay away. However, they are in and around everywhere because it's Border Patrol. This is their job. They're all over the place. Sure. And the immigrants have discovered that if they can get to one of those agents and evade Texas, that those agents will then very quickly release them with notices to appear within a day or two on their own recognizance to buses. NGOs that then put them on buses and planes, and they can fly anywhere and just live in America pretty much for forever, as we know, we report. And so as long as Border Patrol can get their hands on immigrants, they're in. And so it's kind of this Hobbesian choice for the immigrants, 
know, obviously they've got to evade Texas. Border Patrol has to undermine Texas. They have a, a different policy. These are diametrically opposite policies operating in the very same space right next to each other. And this is what's really kind of creating the tension and the conflict between the two forces that I kind of really readily saw on the ground there. Yeah, so you had told me there were some of the illegal immigrants crossing the river were basically saying, we want the Border Patrol, not the Texas State Police. In other words, they were calling out to Border Patrol essentially to effectuate their illegal entry into the United States. I mean, I, I just keep going back to this. It's like in the old Superman comic where there was a bizarro world where the earth was cubicle and Superman, Superman's equivalent was a bad guy. It's like everything flipped on its head. The Border Patrol is now the, it's not just been reduced to sort of a Walmart greeter saying, welcome to the United States, welcome to the United States. It's actually going out there and making it possible for people to illegally come into the United States. And the illegal immigrants are have recognized it and are now saying, please, Border Patrol, come and get us so we can get into the United States and pass these Texas police. It's ridiculous. Right. Not, not so long ago, immigrants trying to cross illegally would run and hide from the Border Patrol. Right. But now they're sort of like the saviors. Or, you know, they've got the big Schindler's List thing going on. Unbelievable. And what it looks like on the ground is, you know, Texas has put up just thousands of yards of razor wire. Mm -hmm. I mean, on into the horizon. I mean, it's just miles of razor wire all along the riverbank. They've fortified the entire area, like, in a way that I've never seen. They've denuded all vegetation from the, from the riverbank, put in these big patrol roads, all kinds of barbed wire, and they've got National Guard stationed episodically along the line. Right. And so what happens is that the immigrants will throw themselves at this fortification, find that they're not going to get let in, and then they wade around in the water, or they traverse upstream or downstream along the, the razor wire, either up on the bank or in the actual water, looking for border patrol. Right. And they'll just go and go up and down, and you could just see them just wandering. It's like something like out of a post-apocalyptic movie or TV series or something, just kind of wandering around trying to get in, you know, past the fortifications. And ultimately, they'll return to the Mexican side. I went to the Mexican side and interviewed a whole bunch of them right. and asked, like, you know, what's the story here? What are you doing? And they're like, well, these guys won't let us in. Tan uniform guys won't let us in. So we're looking for the green uniform one. Everybody knows that the green uniform ones are are going to let us in. That's the Border Patrol. That's the Border Patrol. Right. So what they'll do is they'll look for a spot on the line where, for some reason, maybe there's a shift change or they just happen to not be anybody there, no Texans there, and then they'll just push through right there and find Border Patrol, you know, 50 yards in. And then they're in. And Texas can't do anything about that once they're in because they feel they don't have the authority to detain for immigration purposes. So they'll turn the family units into Border Patrol and they all get released. Right. You can see that happening all over the place. But the other thing that Texas did is they extended their 
trespass prosecution program to the Del Rio sector. Oh, so it wasn't there before. It wasn't there before. They they implemented it in the Eagle Pass area. If you could explain what, what that is. Yeah, so under Texas law, you can be charged with it's a misdemeanor, it's a B, criminal trespassing, and instead of turning them over to Border Patrol, they'll take them to jail. Right. Prosecute them, they have to bail out, and then they've got a case. That has been implemented in Eagle Pass for several weeks now as we record this, and it's, it applies mainly to adults, men and women, adult men and women, because they can't really take the families. They don't have the facilities for families. Interesting. Uh, the immigrants are well aware that they, they risk this prosecution, and it does have an impact. Uh, you know, the, the immigrants did say, they did tell me that they're aware of this, that they will get arrested. And Texas has all these signs up, too that this is a no trespassing zone and if you pass here you could face prosecution and fines and part of the reason for this that it can be done in Texas isn't just that politically obviously it's a different situation but that everywhere else on the border the other states almost all the land abutting the border is federal land whereas in Texas because it entered the union as an independent country there isn't very much federal land Mo- almost everything on the border right. except for like Big Bend National Park and a, a few other things, almost every, all 1,200 miles of the border are privately owned. And so that's why this trespassing strategy works. My question, though, is if the illegal immigrants know about it, I'm sure they did, word would spread quickly. The problem is, you know, if they're convicted and they're, you know, 30 days in jail and then they're let go, but then, you know, they're free to go. In other words, Texas can't deport them. So my sense was, you tell me if this is right. Is that Texas figured, okay, there's a limitation to how effective this trespassing thing can be. We need to keep them from actually ever getting into the country in the first place. And so that's why they were, they turned to this, you know, razor wire approach. That's right. They, you stop them at the riverbank. But, you know, the other interesting thing that the Texans have done that I hadn't noticed before is, is there are lots of islands in the river. Right. That are very thick with vegetation and they're great places to hide and kind of get halfway over and then wait to see where they are and then but texas has gone in and occupied these islands mm-hmm. and denuded them of all the vegetation and strung barbed wire all around and in one case i saw that they just simply planted a, t- a giant texas flag on one <laughs> yeah. uh, which is to denote that this is trespassing territory if you come over here we can get you on that right right so it's it all just creates this added pressure on the immigrants to find Border Patrol any way they can. Right. The Border Patrol seems to be amenable to being found. You know, they, they make themselves kind of available, I guess. I mean, I couldn't get any of them to really talk to me, certainly not on the record, but at the very end of the Texas fortifications, you know, they're building hundreds of yards every day. They're constantly extending their barbed wire. They'll just be doing this for, you know, all year, as far as I can tell. But the immigrants know that they can, they can hike past it right. on the Mexican side and then cross, and there will be, you know, their Border Patrol saviors. And I was over there several times watching Border Patrol pick them all up and bring them in right into the, the buses come, the transport vehicles. They're all happy. Everybody made it. They got the green uniforms. 
And, you know, within a day or two, they're off to Chicago or Denver or wherever, wherever. And so there are ways, enough ways for the immigrants to beat Texas that there's still a crisis. They're still coming. There's still a, 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 an enticement. It's still alluring. Right, right. Because ultimately it's the payoff if they get past Texas DPS that is still there that's drawing people. I uh, just as a, I mean, it's not a tangent really. It's making the same point. I spoke recently with uh, sort of my equivalent in Israel, uh, the head of a pro-enforcement, pro-borders think tank there. And, you know, we often talk about, I mean, I've said this, President Trump, I know have said this, other people have said this, that Israel's wall on the Sinai border is what stopped illegal immigration there because they were getting significant African illegal immigration coming through Egypt, crossing there. And they had now have a serious wall. Nobody gets across. I mean, it's run by the army. It's just, I was going to go visit it last year, but I just couldn't get the permission, and I didn't want to be, you know, a Middle Eastern-looking man driving in a car up to this border manned right. by the Israeli army. But so my point is that the wall works. But the guy I was talking to, the director of the think tank, said, "Yes, the wall is good." He said he's he's for it. He's not against it. But numbers were declining before that because they changed the incentives inside the country for people who managed to get in. And if you still make it you know, magnetic and attractive because there's a payoff once you get past the border, the wall is going to be a lot less effective. And that's kind of what Texas is dealing with. They're doing what they can, but there's a limit to what they can do to change the attraction and incentive to get across the border because the Biden administration's, you know, doing that. Well, the, yeah, the Biden administration has the ultimate right. payoff, the ultimate reward. I mean, this is this is, you know, door number three with all the shiny, glittery uh, prizes behind sure. it. And so it's just going to continually attract them. But I would say, you know, one of the more interesting manifestations of this sort of, I don't know, conflict, if you will, between the two agencies was this plot of land of private farm. Mm-hmm. That It's a pecan farm right there in Eagle Pass, several hundred yards downstream from the bridges. Eagle Pass, mm-hmm. where Border Patrol decided, right, this is right in the middle of the Texas fortifications, barbed wire everywhere, fencing everywhere, and Border Patrol decided to lease a piece of this property owner's land mm-hmm. right on the river and put up a field processing station okay. and tear down the Texas fence right. that had been strung across her property. And then they dug a nice little convenient ramp, walkway ramp down to the river. And then, of course, you know, the streams and of immigrants just poured over right there, right. right through the Texas fortifications on both sides into this sort of island of welcoming goodness on this woman's land. And Texas got wind of this and seized the land back to actually occupied her land, mm-hmm. her riverfront land, and strung barbed wire all over that ramp and tore it up right? and blocked it, put Humvees there, chained two of her gates together so they couldn't open it, poured sand up, you know, five feet high on either side of the, of the gates just to make sure that nobody could slip in between right. or something like that. And so on the one side, you have Texas forces just blockading 
the border patrol on the other side right. of the fence to kind of deny access to the border patrol, you know, I guess embassy or whatever. You know, I mean, this is like where you can get asylum, right? Right, right. Interesting. But they made it an island, basically. They surrounded it. They hemmed in yeah. the border patrol's station right there. Interesting. You could see all the border patrol people are on the one side and all the Texas people are on the other side. And they chit-chat between the chain link fence and, and all the rest. In the meantime, there's all these immigrants, uh, you know, kind of waiting around in the water down below. They're not getting in, traversing back and forth. And it's it was just denied access to this whole thing. And now the question is, you know, what's Border Patrol? Are they going to pull up stakes and give up on that, on this thing? The landowner told me that they're consulting with attorneys. Texas can't take control of our land like this. And, of course, the Texans are saying, well, there's this criminal predicate here for ah, us to, interesting. Yeah. to intervene. And so I don't know where that's going, but it's worth watching. That's interesting. It does That does highlight sort of two issues, it seems to me. One is with Texas having private land on the border that that enables them it gives them a freer hand but it also means that if you get a landowner who's basically just uh either a sort of an america hater and that happens or just kind of a cussed person they can essentially conspire with border patrol to undermine the border because it's their land obviously texas intervened in this case but it seems to me that's one of the potential drawbacks of relying on private land ownership for their border effort. But the other one is a bigger issue is that this whole thing really does seem to be corrupting the culture of the Border Patrol. Because, you know, as veterans leave in the normal course of events or as they're just in disgust, they go and they get a job at, you know, police department because Border Patrol agents are pretty much in demand because they all know Spanish. The Border Patrol training is probably the toughest federal law enforcement training. So they're in demand if they want to leave. And the administration is, you know, staffing it with people who are being acculturated into this corrupted culture is basically what it amounts to of, you know, the Border Patrol being the Walmart greeters or even more than that. So it would be good at some point. I mean, obviously they're reluctant to talk to you, but to talk to Border Patrol agents and see do they realize how abnormal and bizarre this is, or have they just sort of come to accept it as because they're especially rookies? Well, you know, I guess this is the way you do things here, you know, that sort of thing. Well, yeah, I mean, it's hard to be in their proximity and not pick up some chit chat with them here and there. I mean, these aren't formal interviews, but I did pick up this idea that, you know, we're following orders, you right. know, we're doing what we're told to do. This is really not about uh, border patrol agents, you know, being bad guys, right. or you know that they're they're on the wrong side or already been on the right side of this. It's just that there's this policy of, you know, we're going to NTA these people in, notice to appear all these people in when we when we find them, and we're going to move them through as fast as we can into the interior. That's a decision out of out of Washington, right? Exactly. That they have nothing to do with, you know. It wasn't that long ago, two and a half years ago, that their orders were, we're taking you to the bridge under Remain in Mexico and we're putting you back over. Right, right. Your destiny is, in 30 minutes, we're driving you back over the bridge. Mm -hmm. And now it's, we're going to enable you to go to New York or Chicago or anywhere you want 
probably for the rest of your lives. And the consequences are pretty obvious. I mean, the previous policy resulted in reduced illegal immigration, and the Biden policy is causing increased illegal immigration. This isn't because of climate change or whatever it is in Latin America, which has always had problems. This is people responding to incentives. And if the incentives are not there, if you're going to spend all this time, take these risks, spend this money, and be turned around in half an hour and dumped back in Mexico, then you're not going to do it. Whereas if the payoff is, you know, you spend two days in a uh, air-conditioned Border Patrol tent facility with free telephones, and then you're let go, well, why wouldn't you do it? Right. And that's exactly what they say when you talk to them. Right. You know, they're, they're coming by train, three, four, five hundred a day are showing up in Piedras Negras on the other side. And then I say, ask them why. And it's because, you know, everybody we know is get, finding Border Patrol over here and getting through. Wow. Yeah. I think that is going to get increasingly difficult, though, for several reasons. One is that the Abbott administration is probably this going is the to the Texas governor. The Texas governor will probably have another special session of the legislature dealing with border security any time now. And one of the things on the plate there on the menu is that there would be uh, mandatory prison sentences for people that illegally that trespass. Right. You can get a big sentence if we catch you trespassing here. Right. That's going to resonate. And the smugglers would have a mandatory 10-year sentence Hmm. that could go as high as 15. And then another thing on the menu there potentially is, you know, the creation of this separate Texas Border Patrol agency, which means that the forces are only going to expand. I think the forces are already going to expand as it is. In the last legislative session, they approved the interstate compact where Many different states can all contribute personnel and resources to the Texas border. Interesting. You already see Florida state troopers all over the place down there. And several more states are shifting resources and people in and off the border on a regular basis. And I think that the number of people and the razor wire and the penalties are going to get a lot stiffer as, as time goes on. Interesting. This is not going away, right? which is why I really wanted to report on it. It'd be interesting to find out if the, you know, this is speculation, but, you know, if Texas does sort of stick to this, expand it, and it actually, you know, gets smugglers and prospective illegal immigrants to start thinking about how to respond, whether you'd just see more people shifting eventually to Arizona or California. I mean, they're farther away. That's why people are going to Texas, because it's just closer when you cross from Latin America. But if it does become difficult enough, it would seem like it might be worth the extra money and extra time to go to California or Arizona. Both of them are Democratic states. So is New Mexico, but there's a very small border there. And, you know, I, it would be interesting to see whether there you would see you know, California or Arizona state police actually working with Border Patrol to facilitate illegal immigration. I don't think that's happening yet, although, um, you know, maybe it is. Right. Well, no other state does anything like this, that's for sure. Right. By, you know, stopping and blocking. Texas didn't even do it for a really long time. Right. 
But I really also have to raise the question about these declining numbers crossing through the border and the administration taking these victory laps. Right. But I have to say that from what I see on the ground, I think Texas is contributing a significant amount to that decline, to those declines. They'll never be credited for it. Interesting. But the Matamoros-Brownsville area is a non-issue anymore hmm. because the geography, the day that, that Texas started to stop and block them at the riverbank, the surge never recovered. It just stayed dead down there. Right. And now I think Del Rio sector is, you know, it's a very busy sector, especially for family units. But to the extent that, it, that there's any kind of a decline, it's got to be because of the Texas operation there. I, I see them return and swim back to Mexico. Right. And that's got to go back down the line, down the trail to, well, there's a problem here in this area. So essentially, yeah, what that means is Texas is in effect and, and kind of, you know, by default, I guess, making the CBP-1 process more attractive. Yes. Yeah. In other words, this is the administration's illegal program to basically enable people to schedule their illegal immigration and then come, quote, legally, unquote, through ports of entry, and then the administration lets them go. And they are saying, this is a new lawful pathway, what have you. It's just as illegal. It's just illegal immigration just coming through a different place. But the conclusion I would draw is that illegal immigrants are figuring, okay, well, we'll wait a little longer scheduling the CBP-1 process where they'll let us into the port of entry precisely because Texas has made it harder to get across in between ports of entry. Right. And I have to say that it would be an unpleasant realization and an, as an un unintended consequence right. for the Texans that they're actually aiding and abetting these operations, the CBP-1, you know, hide the ball operation by the Fed. Right. That they're helping to drive people probably into the CBP-1 program, that illegal program, right. bringing in inadmissibles in huge, huge numbers. So when the administration does uh, come out with their next victory lap, which is, could be any day from this podcast, right. when they get the June numbers and they show that they're lower, you know, I would ascribe at least some of that to Texas operations in the Rio Grande Valley and in Del Rio and in and Juarez, El Paso, too, they've been doing this there, right. driving people to do the bridge option. But the families and unaccompanied minors are exempt from all of it. Right. Even the Texans have to turn the families over to Border Patrol if they get behind them. Interesting. So I think that there, there still would be a big increase in the number of family units that are being apprehended all around. You mentioned Arizona, too, as a quick aside. The only other sector along the entire border that is seeing more illegal crossings between ports. Mm -hmm. And the, the Del Rio sector is the Tucson sector. Okay. And I'm told that the Tucson sector is seeing huge numbers of just give-ups, illegal immigrants giving up. Hmm. These are not runners, they're give-ups right. over there. So I do wonder if maybe the Texas operation is also contributing to just like to what you said, that maybe they're saying, you know, forget Texas. It's starting to get too tough there. Let's go to Arizona. Right, right. Interesting. We're out of time here, but just the, you mentioned El Paso, and the irony here is that 
the 1990s program that the Border Patrol director in El Paso, Sylvester Reyes, who later became congressman, to stop illegal immigration at the border, which really resulted in significant change. San Diego adopted it. They had called that originally Operation Blockade, and then politically the Clinton administrations had come up with a new name. So they called it Operation Hold the Line. That was the Border Patrol doing its own Operation Hold the Line. This is 30 years ago. And so I got to think somebody knows that they picked the name on purpose because the Border Patrol then had its Operation Hold the Line, was remarkably successful. It just stopped crossings in the city of El Paso altogether. And now the Border Patrol is essentially, you know, de facto being forced to conspire with the alien smugglers. And it's the state of Texas doing Operation Hold the Line, if you will, with the same name and the same objective. But the Border Patrol now is essentially because of President Biden is on the other side. Somebody in Austin with a long memory and a sense of irony came yeah, up with that. Probably, no yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, thanks, Todd, for filling us in on this. We'll have some links in the show notes to stuff you've written about this. And this is obviously a continuing story. This is going to, I think, get worse before it gets better. And based down in Texas, hopefully you'll be keeping an eye on it and visiting the border again and letting us know what's going on down there. I will do. Thanks. And finally, I wanted to draw your attention to something that happened in Britain. We don't usually talk about other countries' immigration policies because this is the United States, but there are times where there are parallels and similar challenges, and it's actually interesting to have a look. The British government has, for a number of years now, been trying to get something both past by their parliament and passed and get something, you know, not struck down by their judges to deal with illegal immigration. They're having constant flow of people by boat across the English Channel from France. And France is kind of playing the role of uh, Mexico in our story, where it's happy to get rid of these illegal aliens and let them go to Britain. A number of years ago, the British came up with something which would send people who come illegally and claim asylum, send them to Rwanda of all places, because they got an agreement with Rwanda, a country in Africa, and have them apply for asylum there. And even though the initial impulse would be to call this remain in Rwanda, you know, instead of remain in Mexico, like the policy under the Trump administration, it's actually different and more important than that because under Remain in Mexico, we sent non-Mexicans applying for asylum who snuck across the border, we sent them to Mexico to wait their turn for a hearing and then let them in when their hearing date came up and dealt with it then. The point was not to just release them into the United States. The British approach or the attempt at what they're trying to do with this Rwanda program, and this is the same as what Australia did years ago, is to not let people even who came illegally even apply for asylum and either send them home or send them to Rwanda if they expressed a fear of persecution and they could apply for asylum in Rwanda. In other words, they wouldn't wait in Rwanda. They got to apply for asylum in Rwanda and Rwanda agreed to take them. 
Australia did something a number of years ago with Cambodia, that people who came illegally on boats would be kept in facilities offshore, not in Australia, but in two other uh, island countries nearby that the Australians obviously bribed, what have you, to get them to agree to it, and said that you know they, weren't, they didn't have to stay there. Cambodia was willing to consider their asylum applications. And if they really wanted asylum, in other words, if they were genuinely fleeing real persecution, then asylum anywhere would be preferable to going home. Obviously, I mean, uh, maybe Cambodia wasn't in the plans of those people going to Australia, and Rwanda certainly wasn't in the plans of people ending up illegally crossing the English Channel. But if their need for asylum was genuine, they would accept that. The very fact that no asylum seekers who illegally crossed the English Channel actually want to go to Rwanda, by definition means they're not real asylum seekers. And so this is the kind of thing the United States also is going to face. And so that's why something more than remain in Mexico is necessary. And under the Trump administration, they did in fact set up what they called asylum cooperative agreements with the three northern countries of Central America. Guatemala was the only one that actually implemented it because it was toward the end of the administration. And then when Biden took over, they pulled the plug on all of it. But the point there was that if you cross the border illegally, even if you weren't from Guatemala, you'd just be sent to Guatemala and could apply for asylum in Guatemala. If you were genuinely fleeing for your life, you would be happy for the opportunity. Obviously, that wasn't what people wanted. They were using asylum claims as a pretext to immigrate illegally, whether it's here, whether it's in Britain, whether it's in Australia. And ultimately, the destination countries for illegal immigration in Europe, in North America, Australia, Israel, are going to have to grapple with the root problem here, which is the post-World War II asylum regime. It was uh, an anachronism. It's an artifact of the end of World War II and the beginning of the Cold War. This was a lifetime ago. And this Rwanda plan that apparently is going to be approved by parliament, although it's still got months of wrangling in the courts before, if and when it actually goes into effect, is one more indication that the developed countries that are attracting illegal immigration are going to have to fundamentally rethink the whole concept of asylum because it's something that is an anachronism, it's out of date, and it doesn't, it doesn't work and is unsustainable in the world we live in today. Thanks for tuning in to Parsing Immigration Policy and Give us a rating, a review, if your podcast platforms allow that. If you have any thoughts, complaints, compliments, what have you, email us at center at cis.org. And I hope you tune in next week. Thank you. <laughs>